us pray. Lord, we thank you for your good news. We pray that your spirit would be upon our hearts, that we would hear this as news for us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, with today being Mother's Day, I got to thinking about my own mom as I was reflecting on what to preach today. Now, I tend to think my mother's a remarkable woman, and that's not just because I'm her only son. Why do I think my mom's remarkable? Well, some of it has to do with the work she did in the church over the course of her many years in ministry. But more than anything else, it has to do with her amazing ability to create family wherever she goes. And this is remarkable because she was someone without a conventional family for much of her childhood. As I mentioned back at the start of the year, my mother was not only adopted, but adopted at quite a late age. Mom spent her formative years growing up at the Provincial Infirmary in Charlottetown, PEI, a catch-all institution that housed the sick, the mentally ill, and a surprising number of orphaned children all in one place. It wasn't exactly what you would call a nurturing environment. Mom was finally adopted when she was nine years old, but even before then, she found a family and a home at Zion Presbyterian Church. She and a friend from the infirmary were made to feel welcome there, and the minister, Reverend Carlisle Webster, took a personal interest in the well-being of these two orphans who came to church on Sunday by themselves. In the end, it was Reverend Webster who helped arrange my mom's adoption by one of the church elders. Church was a home and a family to my mother then before she had any of these things in the usual way. And this continued to be the case after she had grown up and felt a call to serve the church as a young woman. When she left PEI for Toronto to study at Ewart College, she became what was then called a deaconess. The principal there was Dr. Margaret Webster, the daughter of Mum's childhood minister at Zion who had welcomed her there. Even after she had left her parents' house to go into the world, the church was still a home and a family for her. From Ewart, Mum went to serve the church as an educator and what today would be called a church planter. The Presbyterian Church was still establishing new churches in Canada's growing suburbs in the 1960s and 1970s, and Mum helped start more than half a dozen of these new churches. Deaconesses, or diaconal ministers as they were later called, played an essential role in new church development. Mum would survey neighborhoods, knock on doors, find out whether people there were part of a church, encourage them to come out to the initial gatherings, and then organize Sunday schools for these families who showed an interest in being part of a church in these new neighborhoods. My mother spent then the first 20 years of her ministry inviting people to come and find a home and a family in church, just as she had. And so when I began reflecting on, on today's reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, a passage that begins, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Connecriae. It was only natural that I think of my mother. My mom stands in a long line of women who have served Jesus and built up his church. Now, when we read this earlier, you might have wondered why a list of personal greetings from a letter is a part of sacred scripture. Yet when we take a close look at this list of people and what Paul says about them, we see a remarkable snapshot of some of the key people who began the work of spreading the Christian movement around the world. We have this list because Paul had 
actually hadn't yet visited Rome when he wrote this letter. He'd never been there. The church there was founded by someone else and, and was well established by this time. Paul hoped to preach the gospel of Jesus there as he had in what's now Turkey and Greece. And Romans is his formal letter of introduction to this church. But as much as Paul had never been in Rome, he knew a lot of people who were part of the church there. Chapter 16 includes 34 people, all of whom we can assume were leaders in the Roman church. The thing that makes this list so remarkable is that it includes 10 women. Women in ancient Rome were better off than, than, and had a few more rights than women in many other parts of the ancient world, but they still spent most of their lives under the authority of their husbands, their fathers, their brothers, and only a handful of wealthy and powerful women were able to live independent lives and get a mention anywhere in the history books. So the fact that ten women are included in Paul's greeting of key leaders in the Roman church says something about the early Christian movement. In fact, it proves that Paul truly believed what he had wrote in his earlier letter to the Galatians, that therein is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. There is neither male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Jesus, all the old divisions and and classifications were broken down, and everyone was an equal part of his body, the church. And that included the opportunity to serve in leadership. The first sign of this is that Paul entrusted this very important letter, not to a male church leader, but to, a, to this woman named Phoebe. Well, the Roman Empire had an excellent postal service. If you had a very important letter to send to people you hadn't met, it was best to send it along with someone that they would respect. Phoebe is described as a deacon, a Greek word that means servant, but which had already become a title for leaders in the early church. This same word can be translated as minister. The other key word Paul mentions is that she is a benefactor. Now this doesn't mean she was just helpful to the church. Greek and Roman society was built on patronage. People of wealth and prestige who supported worthy causes. Phoebe then was a woman of means. Perhaps a merchant in cloth able to travel across the world from southern Greece to the imperial capital itself. She had used her wealth and connections to support and spread the good news about Jesus. And she was now helping Paul make this critical connection to the church in Rome. Further down the list, we find another woman with an interesting title. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles. And they were in Christ before I was. Now, Junia is actually the most controversial woman on this list. Why? Well, because Paul is here calling her an apostle, a woman who is an apostle. And for this reason, Junia has been turned into a man at several times in church history. In fact, most English Bible translations from the early 19th century to the late 20th translate her as having the male version of their name. You'll you'll find that in the Pew version of, of the Bible that we have here. However, all the best evidence points to Junia being both a woman and an apostle, a senior leader in the early church. And most newer translations accept this. And then there's Priscilla. Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. 
Priscilla is the woman on this list we actually know the most about because she and her husband Andronicus appear five other times in the New Testament. They seem to have been what, we, what you'd call an early power couple in the church. We hear how Paul met them early in his ministry and that they connected because, like Paul, they were tent makers. And like Paul, they traveled a lot. At different points, we find them in Turkey, in Greece, and then back here in Rome, which seems to have been their home. Now this brings us back to the theme, then, of the church being home. This has always been true in a spiritual sense, but it was also true in a very literal sense in the early days of the church. Notice how Paul asks his readers to greet also the church that meets in the house of Andronicus, of um, Priscilla and Aquila. In fact, the word church in Greek is ecclesia, which means assembly or gathering. The church in these early centuries was a community of people who met in private homes. A careful reading of this list suggests there may have been at least five house churches gathering together in Rome, one of which is the house of Priscilla and Aquila. And this is something that helps explain why women were accepted as leaders in the earliest days of the church. Paul's message of equality in Christ, based on Jesus' own life and teaching, was radical. And some of his other letters suggest he actually had to tone this down for some people. But the fact that the early churches met in private homes would have made women's leadership more acceptable. While women had little authority in the public life of the ancient world, they did have authority in the home. And as we see here in Romans and a number of Paul's other letters, many of these early church communities met in the homes of prosperous women whose generosity and leadership was essential for the survival and growth of the Christian movement. These women could teach, prophesy, and be recognized with titles like deacon and apostle because the church was not just a spiritual home, but a literal one as well. And as always, the church is more than a building. A house is only a home if a family or community that live there are united in genuine love. And people new to the house only feel at home when hospitality is practiced. It's certain that the women leaders of the early church played an essential role in these faith communities, becoming a home and a new kind of family for people longing for something more in the cities of the Roman Empire. Jesus formed the church to be a new kind of family, one made up of sisters and brothers united in love. He formed it to be a place where people could come home. In the Gospel of Luke, we read the familiar story of the prodigal son. Jesus told this parable to explain what he was doing, that he had come to let all people know that they could come home, no matter who they were or what they had done. Jesus came to show that God is like a parent who longs for lost children to come home, rejoin the family. And that God runs out to embrace us the minute we turn around. A key reason why people joined the early church was because these house churches led by both women and men were places where they found a new and better kind of home. One that truly felt like God's own house. The truth is people still long to come home. This has rarely been more true than it is today in Canada and other Western societies. 
You don't have to go far to find studies and articles that cover the growing problem of loneliness, social isolation, and the loss of connection between people. Some of this is due to the effects of the internet, social media, and, and smartphones, but this trend was already well on its way before any of those things existed. Modern life has taken us, in general, from small, close-knit communities and extended family networks to impersonal cities and suburbs. We move frequently for work and study, which can take us from family and old friends. The pattern of living alone has become increasingly common for people of all ages. Most of us have cars and we drive alone, to the point that having two people in your car somehow qualifies you as having a high occupancy vehicle. And so this trend has been going on and it's only been intensified by social media and smartphones. We live then in an age of isolation, disconnection, and loneliness. And I believe the Church of Jesus has a lot to offer people, as it always has, even those who are skeptical and uncertain about this whole idea of God. Whether people are open to experiencing Jesus when they walk through the door, what they should be able to experience is the love, the welcome, and acceptance of the community that He has created. Coming into church, if it's really the church of Jesus, should feel like coming home. It was that way for my mother, and it's been that way for me at, at key times in my life. Uh, about 18 months into my, my struggle with God over my call to ministry, I began, I, I moved into a rundown house on Main Street West. It's, if you knew where the old Main Desserts used to be, it was right there. Uh, I moved there with a couple other guys as we started our second year in university. And it turned out I was a little more than two blocks away from Erskine Presbyterian Church. Now, I hadn't connected with a local church during my first year at McMaster. And I might not have in that second year, if, no matter how close Erskine was, if it hadn't have been the home church of my Aunt Helen Hill. Now, she wasn't technically my aunt. Um, she wasn't related to me at all, but her husband, Derwin, had met my mom during those early years of church planting in Mississauga, and before long, they became a part of my mom's extended church family. It was Uncle Durr who baptized me, and we go to see them in Hamilton all the time and at their cottage growing up. So it was church being a family that got me through the door of Erskine, and it was people who made the church feel like home that helped keep me there. Because Aunt Helen and Uncle Durr were at the stage of life where it was difficult for them to get out to church regularly. So most weeks, I sat in a spot near another older couple named Fred and Zilla. Fred was and is very quiet. But Zilla is one of those quirky English ladies with a big personality and, and a wild sense of humor. And I, as I had a godmother exactly like that, I connected with her right away. And, but the thing I'll always remember is not so much what happened on Sunday mornings, but something that happened during the week. One day I was walking to the bus stop on King Street on my way to the university, and I heard a car pull up beside me and a voice make a joke and ask me if I needed a ride. Well, that was Fred and Zilla. And this was at a point where I was really struggling with God, with 
whether it was a whole purpose for me to even be in university anymore. It was really hard to make myself go to class, and I, I dragged myself out that day. And Friendzilla pulled up, took me in their car, and drove me to the university. They made me feel like there in Hamilton, away from my parents, I had a home and I had a family. And my prayer then is that church might always be a place where people can come home. Today my prayer is that this church would be a place where people can come home. Where you can come home. A place in a community where God revealed in Jesus welcomes you, no matter who you are. A family where God's love is made real and tangible by people you can call sister and brother and friend. My prayer is also that those of us who do think of this gathering as a home and a family would would be like those women leaders of so long ago and work with Jesus to invite people around us to also come home. There are many people around us in this community who need a home and a family. And I believe that we are in a unique position to offer this to our neighbors. One way we've been trying to do that in the past few years is through the Alpha Course. Starting this fall, Alpha Canada is reframing its outreach with a simple phrase, life shared. I think this is a perfect way to sum up one of the most powerful things about Alpha and about church. People sharing a meal and growing in relationship as they share their thoughts and genuine feelings about the big questions of life. In a time where so many of us eat alone, sharing a meal is powerful. In a time where it's hard to genuinely connect with real people, sharing community is transformative. And in a time when it's so easy to be superficial, sharing real-life questions in a safe community is almost unheard of. I'll have more to tell you about this life-shared initiative in the coming weeks, but for now I hope you'll consider sharing the life of this church family with your friends and your neighbors who are looking for a place to call home. And if you have come here today looking for home, our Sunday worship service and fellowship time is a great place to start. But an alpha small group is where I know many people here today really began to experience this church as home. Because we can come home. God welcomes us home. Jesus welcomes us home when we gather here in his presence. And he is here today. So welcome home. Amen. As we take up a, an offering for the work of our, of our church family, just a little note that there's a card for a couple members of our church family downstairs. John and Anne had their anniversary celebrations at, uh, at Knox College, 60 years for John and Anne 40 years. So if you want to fill out that card, there is one downstairs as well.